Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is bonus episode number 14. This week on the show, I've got a great conversation with Pat Diaz of the band Broadside. Um, huge shout out for him uh, taking over this conversation. Uh, Ali was having some trouble with his voice. And obviously we didn't want to risk that while they were out on tour. So Pat stepped in and had an awesome conversation with me. And, you know, we talked about a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, Everything from the new singles that they've been releasing, um, you know, kind of the evolution of their sound, how Into the Raging Sea kind of catapulted them into this this new this new stratosphere really for them we also talked about kind of the vibe and and pressures of being out on their first real headlining tour and all of the kind of responsibility and everything that comes with that and the um the way it shifts the perspective a little bit but um yeah, it's a great conversation. I hope you guys are looking forward to it because I definitely was super stoked about it. And I really think that there's uh, some cool shit in this conversation. So let's dive into this. This is my conversation with Pat Diaz of the band Broadside. Um, I do, however, start off with the same boring ass question every time because it's the easy one. Uh, <laughs> simple introduction, man. Who are you? What do you do in the band? And kind of a little background on on why we're having this conversation. Okay. Uh, Well, my name's Pat. I play bass in the band Broadside. I played bass in in Broadside for about six years so far. My first show with them was, uh, I think it was San Antonio Warped Tour 2016, whatever the first day of that uh, run was. So it was pretty, uh, pretty intense. For sure. You know, I was just telling somebody, you know, we've got Sad Summerfest and a couple of these, like, I say wannabe uh, warp Tour festivals coming around. Mm. Like, warp Tour was just such a different fucking animal. And, like, you know, I don't think that kids now, even with, like, the, the When We Were Young festival or anything like that, are truly ever going to get to experience what warp Tour was. Oh, yeah. There was just, like, a... I don't know, for lack of a better term, there's just a vibe that like whenever you show up to the to the festival grounds, you're like, oh, okay, it's it's here. This is what it is. And it's going to be a long day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it never, and it seemed like no matter what way they routed it, whatever city they were playing, it was always the hottest day of the year for that city, the day that they were. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like they collected all like the meteorological data. I was like, all right, we need to hit all of these cities on these specific dates. So it's just unbearable. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I grew up with Warp Tour and I wouldn't have it any other way. I have just a shitload of great memories of, you know, seeing bands for the first time or, you know, being exposed to, to new bands. And I think that's the cool thing is because, you know, when I got exposed to Broadside was, man, it was probably around that 2016 uh, time frame, you know, where nice. just seeing the the name pop up on the list and you start digging in as especially for me like as a music journalist and you know going okay this is a band that has something you know it's just a matter of developing it and that's what i was telling Mm -hmm. just just a a minute ago is like it's funny now like as you guys have started releasing new music the 2020 album um into the raging sea and then this new set of of singles like i have friends that are now like Hey man, have you heard about this band uh, broadside? Like, you know, they're they're this new blah, blah blah. And I'm like, but they're not new guys. Like, they've been <laughs> killing it, and you just haven't seen them yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is crazy. Um, not to sound like arrogant or anything like that. Well, whenever every so often I'll ask, like at the shows, I'll ask, like, who is seeing us for the first time? And just a ton of hands will go up, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy, because of yeah. like all the touring that we did early on in our career, like even before I joined, um, the fact that people are still finding out about us. It, I mean, and it's sick because that way we're meeting new people in addition to like the same people that are consistently coming out to our shows and we're just like hanging out with them. But meeting new people is always very sick and it's always 
very humbling to have somebody come up and be like, Hey man, I've been listening to you guys since I was in like eighth grade and I'm like 24 now or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then other people coming up like, Hey, I, I came to see Silverstein because you guys are on tour with Silverstein right now. I came to see them and I heard about you guys tonight for the first time and I'm a fan now. So it's super cool. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing too, for you guys, like, you don't fit in a box. And I mean that in the best sort of way. Like you guys aren't pigeonholed as a band that, Oh, I can only go on tour with these pop punk acts or whatever. Like you guys mm -hmm. fit in a, a wide variety of, of musical genres. And I think it's really been beneficial for you guys because, you know, like you said, Silverstein, but now you're out headlining with young culture, um, first and forever and Sharia Moore, like, they're not necessarily in the same boat as Silverstein or even some of the Warp Tour bands from back in the day. Yeah, that's something that we as a band have always taken pride in and like consciously tried to like uh, cultivate whenever we're like trying to write new music. Like, you know, Old Bones in Paradise, they were all in the same vein, really, but like sonically different enough to be like, okay, well, there's a little bit of growth there. But then Into the Raging Sea, we were like, yo, what if we made just something like, like a little darker, um, but still uh, maintaining elements from the first two albums. And that's always been like our approach was like, make it different, but still make it familiar enough to not like alienate all the older fans that maybe like more of the generic, like cut and dry pop punk sound, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's <clears throat> something that you guys do really well is you know, like you said, it, it's changing the sound, but I feel like it's more like you're just maturing, right? As artists and as songwriters, but like as human beings more than anything. So it's, it's that I've brought it up on, on my podcast before where like, I love Newfound Glory, but I understand that they're not the 17, 18 year old kids that wrote Sticks and Stones anymore. Like I don't expect right, that right. out of them. Um, and mm -hmm. it's always sad when there is, you know, the gatekeepers or whatever you want to call them that are like, oh, but this album doesn't sound like that. Yeah, they're not fucking 20 years old anymore. They have adult yeah. problems now, not kid problems. Yeah, exactly. That was six years ago. Like, we don't... I'm not thinking the same way I did six years ago. Yeah. And if you are, like, I guess do yourself, you know? Like, be, be you. Yeah. But if, if you yeah, haven't yeah. grown in six years, man, I, you probably need to right. reevaluate some of your stuff in life. Yeah, change something, man. Get a haircut wear different pants or something like that yeah for shake sure. it up a bit yeah um so before we get into to all the new music i want to talk about the tour that you're on um primarily because i'm a huge young culture fan um i've actually had them on the show a couple of times what's it like you know being out on the first headlining tour for yourself um for the guys really and being able to kind of make that stand that you know we are a band that is able to carry the bill um it's equal parts like exciting but then also like stressful okay. uh because you know not like just being a support band before we're just like oh, okay well we're gonna show up whenever they tell us to show up and then we're gonna set our th stuff up whenever they tell us to put our stuff wherever like we're always having somebody you know the headliner tell us what to do but now we're the people that have to kind of like take care of the other bands, make sure that, you know, everybody's got the water that they need. Everybody has adequate like merch space and stuff like that. Um, so it's exciting in the sense that, you know, we're headlining for the first time. We have a chance to like really prove ourselves, so to speak, but then also stressful, like all the behind the scenes stuff, like getting like uh, vehicle rental and trailer rental sorted out. And then also having like enough merch so that we don't run out like in the middle of the tour, which seems to be, an ongoing theme for us. Yeah. But, it, uh, it's and it's, the... sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, go for it. Uh, and it's, it's super cool that we got to bring out, you know, young culture first and forever and Sharia more, because those are bands that we like, we like their music. And now that we've met them, we also like them as people. Yeah. So it's super cool to just like be able to build a tour of just like super chill people. And we all get along. There's no egos, none of that stuff. So it's super sick. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the thing I was going to say was around um, the merch. Like, it, it sucks, but it's also, like, the best problem to have, right? That 
Oh, damn yeah. it. We ran out of merch. <clears throat> but, hey, we ran out of merch. Like, that's fucking cool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah. A, a band from the UK was actually just talking about they had some tour difficulties and ended up were stranded 300 miles from home uh, oh. with a, yeah, with a breakdown. And they were telling people, you know, like, we're not begging for money, you know, or anything like that. But this is why we say that merch matters more. And they did the math for them specifically. One $10 t-shirt for them is equivalent to 4,000 Spotify streams from a profit standpoint. So they're like, you know, you can, you can stream our music, but you have to do that 4,000 times or you could buy yeah. one shirt like to help us out. You know, if you're going to do it, let's, exactly. let's play this the right way. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that the casual fan, as I, I like to call them, doesn't really understand when it comes to touring and, and whatnot is, you know, yeah, it's 20 bucks for a t-shirt or whatever, but $12 of that quote unquote goes back to the band uh, in profit and then gets divided out amongst everybody and whatever. So like exactly when you really look at the numbers, that's where the money comes from. And then obviously ticket sales and, and guarantees and gates and things like that. But, um, yeah. for you guys on this tour, um, sweet fucking places already. Uh, we kind of talked about right before we officially started the, the conversation here. Uh, you guys were in chain reaction last night. What's it like kind of coming back through these venues that you've played before, but now you're again at the top of the bill? Um, it's really, um, it makes it a little easier really. Cause you know, like go to a, the venues that you've already played, you know, where everything is supposed to go, you know, like what their policies are and like where all of your empty cases go and stuff like that. Um, so it's like a familiar, it's like going to like your childhood home. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, I haven't been here in a while, but it's all like starting to come back to me. I know, okay, well, there's a good, there's a good Chinese spot up on the corner over there, or there's a really nice Target around the corner that we can go get like coffee from the cafe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I like coming back to places that we've played before, specifically for those reasons. It's just comfortable and familiar to us. Yeah, I think that's that's a really cool, you know, kind <clears throat> of perspective on it. Is that you know, it's. It's almost like for people that obviously don't tour, um, going back to a place that you like to vacation or something, and you can just, once you're back there, like, oh, yeah, I know that this this shop has this or whatever. And it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things for, again, for the non-touring fan, they take for granted, I think, that they know where everything is in their town or whatever. But there's there's times out on the road where it's like, fuck, it's, you know, 2 a.m., where can I grab something to eat because... Oh yeah, on an eight-hour drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's two thirty a.m. and all of the gas station lobbies are closed, so you can't even go in and like get a bag of chips. Or the van is the van and trailer are too long to go through the Taco Bell drive-through. Yeah, um, so you're kind of stuck uh, trying to figure out what to do. And then also, like some of the other venues, you know, the green room is the size of a king-size bed, so yeah. that also poses some difficulties there. Yeah. No, I. I've said for a long time that one of my goals, obviously, is to win the lottery. Uh, but I wanted to open a music venue. Sure. And with that, like, the green rooms were always one of the things that I've told people, like, no, you don't understand. Like, they're going to have a fucking shower. They're going to have room to fucking, like, spread out, get away <laughs> from each other. Like, because it is. I've 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 been in those uh, we green have, rooms. We have and, the same dream, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so tough sometimes. Like even for me as a, a journalist, you know, coming in to a green room and sitting with you guys or whoever, and it's like, okay, well, we can still hear sound check. We can still, you know, we are all touching legs because there's only one sofa here. Like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody's sitting and like two people are standing up because the sofa is not big enough. Right. Right. It's the worst. Um, so talk a little bit about, you know, you guys did into the raging sea, um, had, great success with that at least you know from the perspective of media and and fan base mm -hmm. um and then to kind of get slapped in the face with covid right like shut down as you started to see this upswing yeah um that was really difficult for us because we were you know we put the record out at like the beginning ish of covid like beginning stages of it um and we were just like so ready to 
tour on it we were like hungry for it you know so we were like all right yeah this is gonna be gonna have like this sick headliner for it it's gonna be all these things it's gonna be fresh off the record so it's gonna be like at the forefront of people's minds and stuff like that they're gonna be thinking about it um then COVID happened we were like okay well now what do we do (laughs) we had to figure out like okay well i guess we'll all get like normal jobs maybe um and then just wait it out i guess um so it was a little hard to like i guess keep the faith sometimes because we're like well we don't know if we're ever going to tour again yeah so like we don't we have to have like some kind of backup plan because i don't know if this is ever going to go away um and if we're going to ever be able to like play another show again let alone tour like even just one show would be cool right um so yeah it was just really difficult to try and like keep our eyes on the prize and just power through it just kind of do whatever we can uh via social media to like make sure people don't forget about us or forget right. the record that we just put out um and just get glossed over and lost like in the just the media whirlwind of just everything going on yeah for sure and i think you know the the fact that i love and hate that i throw out <laughs> from spotify alone um, it's estimated that 60,000 songs a day get pushed to the platform. So, mm-hmm. you know, dropping an album and then not being able to really do, I mean, like you said, you've got social media, which is a big platform to push on, but like to not be out and marketing it in that same way of a tour, it's like, how quickly does that get lost in the mud because of how much noise is coming out? Um, it, it varies, I guess, depending on how busy the internet is that day. Yeah. Um, where, like, I think it was at the beginning, it was it did pretty well. But then after we kind of like we felt like we were being annoying with it a little bit, like just constantly posting it every day, so it slowed down after that. But then we were like, no, this is kind of this is kind of what we have to do if we want to keep going. We have to be annoying about it. We have to like be constantly telling people about it. And then um, Dom really watches like our our spotify like stats for the band and i think we we went up like two hundred thousand monthly listeners with no playlisting and no like like not getting added to any huge like spotify editorial playlist or anything like that we were like what the hell where did all that come from and i think right now we're sitting at like seven hundred twenty five thousand i believe or maybe 730 I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, you're All actually right. at, as of this moment of us talking, 749,000. You are 208 away from uh, being at 750,000 monthly listeners. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then then uh, this past, the last tour that we did with This Wildlife, um, those guys really helped us out a lot in the aspect of like, you know, looking at it from the bigger picture, whereas we'll we'll look at something and get bummed, be like, oh, man, we didn't really like the song's not doing really well or like this show was kind of like undersold or whatever. But then they're like, no, you guys, you guys got like 200,000 plus monthly listeners completely organically. Like I, that's something to be proud of. And they gave us a bunch of like insight on like how that th- how they do all of their stuff and how their band is run. Um, so we learned a lot from them on that tour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kevin going back to your Aaron's. question after this. Yeah, they're crazy guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're. I think they're one of those bands that it sucks to think of your band as a business, but they have figured out that mm-hmm. you know my band is a business. If if this is what yeah. I want to do, it has to make money, um, and they do it so well. And I think the thing for them is. You know, I've heard Kevin specifically talking about like what you just said, you know, oh, this song didn't didn't get as much traction as we wanted. Well, maybe it was on the wrong platform or in the wrong avenue. So, like, I've seen them take, you know, stuff that hit Spotify and maybe didn't do as well. And all of a sudden it's a TikTok sound or, you know, they're using it with mm-hmm. Instagram reels. And it's organically I'm going to find a way to make this thing catch fire. Yeah. Like force people to listen to it. <laughs> right. In the best sort of way, because, you know, there's exactly, a band exactly, that right, is right. just so incredibly talented. And it's funny when people are like, hey, have you heard of this wildlife? 
how the fuck are you just now finding out? Yeah, about have you not? Like, I'm I'm a little confused. Yeah, yeah. I with you guys, uh, that literally happened to me um, with the release of of your new single, where a friend sent it to me on on Facebook or whatever, and he's like, "Dude, you have to check this out." And I'm like, "I'm like years ahead of you, bud. Like, they've got a whole <laughs> discography that you need to go back through." <laughs> Well, Dom just told us that he got stopped by somebody in the parking lot last night after the show. And he was like, hey, man, you guys played great tonight, but you didn't you didn't play your new song. And Dom was like, what are you talking about? The one that just came out? He's like, yeah, you guys didn't play it at all. He's like, yes, we did. We talked about it beforehand and we played the whole thing. Yeah. Were you here the whole time? He's like, yeah, I saw the whole show. And he's like, all right, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. We played it. <laughs> yeah. It- I could see where maybe it's easy to get lost in, you know, get caught up in the uh, the banter or whatever before the song and maybe just didn't yeah. realize. But, you know, it's also only, what, a little over two weeks old at this point. So, yeah, we'll give him we'll give him a little bit of credit on that. Yeah, yeah. he's got time before we come back and test him. Right. Right. And then you're going to pull him up on stage, make a whole viral exactly. thing out of it. Yeah, He's going to sing the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's let's jump on to the, the new single. So One Last Time is the song we're talking about. Um, so something I don't do anymore is I don't ask the specifics on the song. Because I don't want to take the meaning away from somebody that makes whatever connection with it. But I do want to hear kind of like song structure and, you know, when you guys are building a song like this, what kind of goes into that for you guys when it's the creative portion of it? Um, usually it'll start with like Dom and Jeff sending like riffs back and forth being like, Hey, does this sound cool? Or, Hey, like, what do you, what do you think about this? And then they'll like build off of it. Um, and then we'll get it to a point where it's like mostly complete, uh, before Ollie like starts thinking about melodies and stuff like that. Um, but this time, uh, we worked with a buddy of ours, um, and we like demoed the song out did uh like scratch vocals to it and then we worked with andrew bayless up in nashville uh on the song and when we showed it to him he's like all right yeah this is cool um but we should we should focus on something that highlights the vocals so he we basically like restructured and rewrote the song around the chorus melody which is something that we don't we've never done before yeah we've never like written with outside influence and then we've also never started with a melody and then built around that so that was super cool very different um bayless is a cool guy his workflow is super sweet um and yeah we just held on to that chorus melody and ollie laid down like scratch melodies for the entire song and we basically wrote to what he's saying yeah, I'm glad you brought up Andrew because I wanted to bring him up anyway. That dude's resume is insane. So, you know, hooking up with him and, you know, this is oh, someone yeah. for people that aren't familiar or don't dig into to production or whatever. Like, he's worked with Sleeping With Sirens, Varsity, Savage Hands. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, so what's it like, you know, hooking up with someone like that, that their resume really speaks for itself? It's not this, well, I think I can do this thing for you. Yeah. He's like, I know, I know I got it. You guys just gotta, you guys just gotta deliver. So it was a little intimidating because I think the, the night that we got there, we went out, um, we went out for drinks with him. And that was the day that he had gotten word that one of the songs that he uh, produced for Jelly Roll had hit number one on the radio. So they were out celebrating that. And then over the course of the week of us uh, recording with them, they were just having gold records delivered to the house. (laughs) So we were just kind of like, oh, sorry. I I didn't mean to stand so close to the gold record. My bad. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it was on that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let me just like wipe it off a little bit. I think I got a fingerprint. (laughs) Um, But it was it was a little intimidating at first. But once we like got into it, it was just, you know, like super relaxed. Yeah, he um and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh I was looking up the I was trying to remember which song he did with uh Jelly Roll. It's uh self-medicated was the the most <clears throat> recent. Um but yeah, like you know, again, it's just someone that brings something new to the table. Like you said, that's 
that's not a way that you guys have structured songs before, or even written the the demos and things like that. So, you know, bringing in that that outside perspective, not saying that you guys need it by any means, but is that something that like after seeing it in in actual you know do work um, that you've kind of looked at and went. Okay, maybe that's something to explore down the road when we're stuck on something. Absolutely, hundred percent. Like we're always open to having uh, outside people help because that was something that our old record label was like very against. Because there were a couple times where you know when Ollie was living in L.A. and they did uh, Paradise, um, a couple people were like, "Yo, dude, like I have a couple of songs if you guys want to like do this." And the record label was like, "No, nah, we don't really do." that kind of stuff and we were like uh okay the song's cool though and they're like no you guys gotta write the songs so like fine yeah um but yeah we're super into the idea of like having like a co-writing situation uh especially if the songs are going to turn out that good like why wouldn't we <laughs> right right um so that being said about record labels, because again, the casual listener probably doesn't fully understand how much control certain labels take from you. And mm -hmm. I'm not just saying this because Jessica is still on the, the call and can hear us, but <laughs> Sharp Tone does an amazing job with letting you guys have that freedom and creativity and everyone on their roster really is more like instead of a, hey, you know, here's our list of demands or, or criteria, it's hey, what's the best way we can maximize what you're capable of doing? Exactly. We have a lot more freedom on Sharp Tone than we did our previous record label. Like the fact that we even have our own like separate merch store online, like separate from the label is something that was strictly forbidden previously. Yeah, it's, it's insane. You know, like I don't want to say all record labels because it's not all of them, obviously, but like... Right. The assumption is most record labels are this, you know, blank checkbook or whatever, which A is not the case because you guys owe them. It's a loan, if anything. But exactly. I think the, the problem is that dependent on the record label, um, and we won't drop names, but we all know who a few of them are. You know, this record label says, cool, here's mm -hmm. what we, we want you to do, but we're going to kind of handcuff you and we're not giving you that much help. Yeah, that's that's very similar to what our case was. Yeah, it's and it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is something that that we can talk about. Obviously, again, without you know anything like that, the creative process suffers from that too, right? Because now it's like, okay, we have to fit in their box. I've got all these ideas, or you know, there's so much more potential we could do. Like, what does that do to the mindset of the band when when you are being held back? restricted and creative uh it doesn't do good things i'll tell you that um because the the owner of the other label um would they would like would be sending demos back and forth and like uh this song's not good we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything with it and we're like but we we just spent like two weeks writing this song i mean it's not good we think it's good and that's where it's kind of like you're kind of like stuck between a rock and a hard place where you're like, well, we like the song and we're the ones that are going to be putting it out and playing it. We want to put it out. We think it's good enough. And, but we can't really do anything without the label's help. So you're kind of stuck, you know, bending to their, their demands, so to speak. Yeah. Have there been any of, of those types of songs, you know, where they didn't clear the previous label that you've been able to, revisit or thought about revisiting now and going, you know what, this is still good enough. Let's do it. Um, I would say no, just because, just for the fact that everybody in the band now was not a part of the writing process for the previous label for the other yeah. albums. Yeah. Um, but, but now like everything that we've shown sharp tone, they're like, all right, yeah, that's sick. Let's, let's do it. And they're like, they're like pumped on it. So, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so for you guys, you know, as, as we move through the year here, um, and thank God live music is, is coming back and kind of as much of a full swing as we can get it. Right. Yeah. What have shows been like, and what's this kind of 
the feeling as you're out on the road now and like i guess the question that i'm trying to get at is how much optimism does this fuel into you now that live music is back um it's it is a good bit of optimism me personally um because most of the shows have been like super sick awesome crowd participation but then there are some shows i think our texas shows were a little light because we were informed that there was like a really big like covid upswing in uh texas so people were like afraid to go out or like buy tickets to events and then end up not being able to go um so i i try to be the the silver lining and be like hey guys it's you know we just got to get through this one and then the next one's going to be good like got to get through this next one and then the next one's going to be good type thing um but yeah i'm i'm having a blast yeah i think it's interesting you know that there's so much of that where like because we're such a a a huge country when we look at landmass anyway but like we're so divided across state borders and like the upswings in Texas don't always correlate to like the shows in California and stuff like crossing the country like that. Talk a little bit about kind of seeing the dichotomy of the U S and all these, you know, like I'm from the Midwest and it is nothing like, you know, the East coast or the, by God, not near the West coast. Uh, what's Mm -hmm. that like, you know, when you guys are out on tour and seeing, the different levels of fan base as you move? Um, it, sorry, I don't really know the best way to answer that question. <laughs> let me, let um, me reframe the question. Um, as you guys go across yeah, the country, could you? Sorry. yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. As you guys okay. go across the country, what's it like, you know, when you look at the turnouts and the, I guess kind of the types of people that are coming out, you know, is there a direct link with like, Oh, the Midwest is like our hardcore fan base. And then the West coast is more of the people that are just kind of out experimenting with music. Is there any of that that you're noticing? Mm, Okay. I understand that. Yes. Um, Yes. um, But most of it is just like, if like the people at the shows are the ones that, like are there because they want to see broadside. It's not like, oh, well, there's a show going on tonight. And I know a couple broadside songs, and like a few young culture songs. So maybe I'll buy a ticket. Right. Like everybody who's been at these shows have been like, no, I'm here because I want to see broadside, um, which is cool because like I said earlier, like we're seeing a lot of familiar faces and we're seeing a lot of new faces. Um, and especially uh, with all of the tours going on right now, um, there were a few places where we crossed paths with like another tour. That's like our direct demographic. So we were like, it's, it's a little unfortunate, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and then that also uh, proves more my point. Like the people that are there want to be there. The people that bought VIP are people that want to be there. They could have been anywhere else, but they decided to come to our show that night. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that too with, Obviously, you have zero control over crossing paths with other tours, but like when we get into the big cities, LA and you know Chicago, things like that, where realistically on any given night there's a dozen shows for people to go to. Talk a little bit about that feeling, because like you said, they've chosen me out of all the options. Like, what's that feel like when you're ready to to step up on stage? Um it's a little nerve wracking because I'm like, all right, well, these people want to see us and they know, I know what they're expecting and I hope I don't let them down. But it's also at the same time on the other, on the other hand, it's uh, calming because, you know, they're, they're people, I, I guess they're fans that know us. So, and like with us doing VIP on this tour for the very first time, a part of that VIP is like you get early access to the venue. So even if, even if like there's 300 people in the room, the first like 25 people at the stage are there to see us and they care about us. Um, so it's a little, a little kind of like sigh of relief walking on stage and then seeing the people that we just had like a 45 minute conversation with at the VIP. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's another really cool thing, you know. Your guys' VIP package isn't insanely priced anyway, and, like, obviously, like, Metallica's or whoever is going to be like, oh, it's an extra 150 bucks per ticket. Like, fuck that. Yeah, but, you get a sticker, and that's it. Right, right. But I think that's the cool thing that you guys have been doing on this tour is, you know, it's it's VIP. It's truly hanging out with you guys. It's It's much more of what you expect out of a VIP package. And, you know, when we really look at it from a economy standpoint, I guess, like it's not that much more. And for you to be able to be the guy that gets to go back to your friends and be like, Hey, I hung out with fucking broadside last night. Like what'd you do? It it just yeah, adds exactly. a little bit more to it. Right. Yeah. Like we were, we were worried that like for the price that we had, we we're like, are people going to actually pay that? Like we got to, if we do this, we're gonna have to make sure that like, you know, they're getting their money's worth and stuff like that. And it's not even like insanely priced either. No. Um, so like every time we started, we're like, Hey, this is our first time doing this. Thank you. So like we, that is the phrase of the night. Every single night is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because we're always so grateful that people come to the shows, let alone pay for a VIP package to get a picture with us. And then also some goodies. Um, but yeah. And then throughout the night, we're like, yo, if there's anything you guys liked, anything you didn't like, anything you thought we could do different, we kind of opened like a suggestion box type thing and to give us some feedback. Um, yeah, and they've been really fun uh, to do. Yeah. Really nice, like getting to meet all the people there. And, and like you said, for that suggestion box, um, quote unquote thing, uh, you know, asking for feedback, like what better way to get real life answers about merch and stuff too? Like, you know, hey, is there, would you guys want fucking koozies? Is that still a cool thing, yeah. you know, or whatever? Like, what kind of merch do you guys want so that we can make yeah, those ex- things happen? Yeah, going directly to the people that are actually holding your merch in their hand. Be like, hey, what do you like about that piece of merch in your hand? Is there anything that you want to see different or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, obviously, everyone's always going to say the price, right? Like, well, it'd be nice if it was cheaper, but. Yeah. Usually that's usually it's a joke because you already bought mm-hmm. it, so I'm not changing the exactly. price. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I would um, like the price of garments to be cheaper too, but we've already printed a hundred of these shirts, so what am I going to do with it? And again, casual fans, I don't think realize that side of the business. Like, you guys out of your own pocket pay for merch so that you can resell it in a sense. Like, it's it's not cheap. It's not easy to go to a a merch company and be like, Hey, I need, you know, 250 of this shirt in 12 different, you know, six different sizes. And I have to have that by the time tour starts. And then I have to go try to sell the thousand dollars worth of investment that I just made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a little ludicrous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, and well, then I think, you know, again, fans don't understand like physical copies of your album. That's, typically purchased by you guys from the Mm -hmm. label or or press company, whoever. And like, Hey, I bought my own record so that I could sell you my record. Like this isn't a freebie thing. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not just going into my garage and throwing the door open and seeing just thousands of boxes of our CD and just being like, all right, I'll take a couple of these today. Right. It'd be nice, you know, one day, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. One day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, without getting you in trouble with, with Jessica, especially since she's still on here. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the remainder of the year kind of look like for you guys? What are you allowed to talk about as far as new music dropping, you know, more tour announcements, things like that? Um, I'm going to try to remember what Ollie <laughs> answers people with, uh, whenever they ask him this at the <laughs> VIP. Um, we do have studio time booked, um, for the fall and then we do have we should have one other single coming out uh before the end of the year yeah that's That's it yeah no that's totally fair and i think you know again going into the thing people don't realize is obviously it's all a process like bands don't release an album and then wait two years on purpose like it's it's a year of tour Mm -hmm. it's a year of writing and recording and then that album can can exist and exactly a lot of pulling back the veil today yeah well and we're just now at the two-year mark for you guys but you also yeah, had a year two years of COVID yesterday. in there yeah you had a year of COVID in there too so mm-hmm. 
Ideal roster mate tour. Who would you want to go out on tour with from Sharp Tone? Oh man, yeah, uh, it's a really loaded question. <laughs> yeah, um, Boston Manor, holding absence, and let's see. I mean, they're really the only ones that are only other ones besides us that aren't like metalcore bands, right? <laughs> the only ones that would make sense. Um, oh, actually, you know what? No. Here, it'll go uh, Holding Absence, Boston Manor, Us, and Don Broco. There we go. Solid. Solid. Don Broco's doing some incredible stuff, too, right now. It's, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. Their, their uh, rise has been one to watch. For sure. And I think, you know, kind of like you guys, they don't fit in a box. And it's so cool because, like, they've... This is kind of a bold statement you know we'll talk up another band for a second uh they're the closest thing i think right now to kind of like a bring me the horizon feel where it's like everything they drop is so different than the last thing that they dropped and you have to go like what the fuck are they doing but it's all working so like you Mm -hmm. can't fault them for anything yeah they're definitely uh, span a wide variety of genres and like playing styles, like especially seeing them on Warped in 2018. We were on the same stage, so we would always be watching them. And I'm just like, man, all these songs like sound different enough, but also at the same time, like they all sound like Don Broco songs. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's nuts. I'm super stoked on what they're doing. Um, Holding Absence, for that matter, too, is another one that. Everything oh, yeah. they've released over the last two years has just been hit after hit. Mm-hmm. So. Very big fan of that full length they just put out. Yeah, dude, it's so good. Um, Jessica, I know you can hear me. What's set up at Holding Absence as well? Uh, <laughs> so, with you guys there out you on <laughs> <laughs> with you guys out on the road right now, um, you know, coming kind of towards the end of, as as we talk, coming up towards the end of the the tour. Um, I guess talk a little bit about what the, the post tour blues really is for you guys, because again, unless you're in a band that gets to tour, you don't understand how double-edged sword it is, right? Like it's awesome that I'm out on the road, but I miss family. But then when I get back home, it's awesome that I'm with family, but now I miss being out on the road. Like what's that Mm -hmm. kind of feel for you guys? Oh man, I I don't know. It's it's something that I can't really put into words, you know, cuz like I guess it's the thing about like every day being like, "All right, I have to wake up. I'm going to try to find something to eat. See if there's anything nearby. We have to be to the venue by this time. We have VIP at this time, and then we play at this time." So it's I I think we just miss the the schedule. <laughs> Like the schedule that's been made for us. Cause like when we get home, we're like, all right, well, what do I do now? Right. I don't, I'm, I'm still waking up early because I feel like I'm, I shoot up out of bed thinking I'm still in the van. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a bummer. I don't know. It's just, it's just like, oh, well now this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing for me is, like you said, that schedule structure of like, okay, I know exactly like when I have to be at these places, but then when when you have the day off, it's like, well, fuck, what do we do, man? Like, even on yeah. the road, having a day off, it's like, okay, can we go see a movie or like, what is there to do? Do we need to be driving for the whole fucking day because yeah. we have to get to the next town? Yeah, like like today. Um we play Salt Lake city tomorrow and we were able to book a hotel like 45 minutes outside of Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, that's not bad, which means that we had to drive 10 hours last night from Anaheim. Um, but yeah, now we're just hanging out. We're going to go see Nope later. I've heard Um, incredible things about that. Oh, I'm so excited. Usually what our off days are will consist of is we'll drive to probably, uh, somewhere where we have booked a hotel we'll 
show up way too early to check in. So we'll find like a Starbucks or a Panera. We'll get coffee there and then use Google Maps to find the nearest hot topic because that's how we find a mall. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just get out of the van, stretch our legs for a bit, walk around, maybe make some uh, ill-advised impulse purchases. Spencer's um, gifts, and, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just really need the blacklight Pink Floyd poster. Right. You just don't know. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's really what an off day looks like for us. If if the cities are close enough together, which usually we'll have off days like that on the East Coast because all the cities are so close. Like the longest we'll have to drive is like six hours. Right. But when you're on the coming out west, it's just everything is flat and so far apart. And then having to drive through all the mountains doesn't make it any easier too because you got to drive so slow up and down those. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you brought up food for a tour. What's what's that tour food look like for you guys? Like, are you in and out fans? What a burger! Like, you know, I have to ask that because you were just in Texas and California. <laughs> Yes. Um, I will say that I've been vegan for six years. Ollie has been vegan for like 13 or plus years. Um, so I think I am more fit to answer the question than he is. Um, but before I went vegan, I was huge Whataburger guy. Uh, I thought In-N-Out was okay at best. I liked Whataburger way more. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, uh, like we just had Del Taco for lunch. We walked across the street, got Del Taco, um, or we'll get to a hotel and then order like Chinese takeout and have it delivered. Um, or something that we started doing is as soon as we're done playing, um, our TM will order, will like Uber eats us Taco Bell. Yeah. So that by the time we're done packing up, we have like food there waiting for us, which is sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's not, a bag of chips from a truck stop. It's usually like Taco Bell or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of truck stops, I'm going to ask, you know, again, you've been across the country now. Who's the, who's the best? Are we looking at Bucky's sheets? Uh, you know, loves travel oh, station in the Midwest. <laughs> Honestly, all of those for different reasons. I, I like loves, because it seems like they're building a lot more new ones. Mm -hmm. So you'll end up at a lot of nicer loves. Um, and then usually they'll have like a Wendy's or an Arby's or something attached to it. Um, Bucky's is just a phenomenon in and of its own self. Um, yeah. But they are, they're very vocal about not being a truck stop. They don't allow trucks to park right. uh, in their uh, parking lot. But, I think Bucky's would have to be my favorite uh, gas station convenience store stop. And also I like sheets more than Wawa. I will say that. Yeah. It, I've always thought, you know, it Bucky's is that unique thing. Like it's bold of them, right? Like I understand that they don't want to be a truck stop, but it's really bold to call yourself a gas station when you're the size of a fucking Walmart. And like you have everything, including a food court inside. Dude. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you, you have 100,000 gas pumps. You have a food court with people like constantly cutting fresh brisket. You have a wall of beef jerky. And then you also have your own branded merchandise on one half of the store. And on the other half of the store, it's like like Southern comfort, like old Southern mom, like home decor. Yeah. God, God bless this mess type of yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's insane. Um, you're also one of the few people that I've had that, openly says that they prefer sheets over Wawa. Usually Wawa takes takes them out and I don't know why. I will be a sheets fan until I'm six feet under the ground. <laughs> like the fact that I can get a burrito uh and put tater tots on it is already like the best. Right. That that's a win no matter where you're at. <laughs> yeah. Like if like in Florida they don't have any sheets. We only have Wawa. So I mean I will go to Wawa. Right. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fucking, you know, be like, oh man. Well, I'm just not gonna eat it, man. Yeah, I'll eat it if it's there. But I prefer sheets over Wawa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So that's really everything I've got for you. I, I think that's a great way for us to transition to the end is the <laughs> controversial gas station uh, comments. Just go ahead. You guys but, can uh, uh, let me know your opinions on Twitter. For sure. And, you know, Twitter's a cesspool anyway, so I'm sure you'll catch exactly. all sorts of shit from that. So <laughs> All you degenerates. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we, we kind of wrap up here, looking through the discography for anyone that isn't familiar with you, like we joked about that people are still finding you. I normally ask this question when somebody has a new album out because I like to base it around an album, but I'm going to do it for you for the whole discography, which is a really fucking loaded and tough question is what's the song that you think a new listener will gravitate to? And what's the song that you want them to gravitate to? Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a big, big question. So what was the first part of it? What song do I what, think they will yeah, gravitate to? What song to? do you think they're gonna gonna grab onto the most? I mean, obviously, uh, Coffee Talk is is up there, right? Yeah, I was I was literally gonna say Coffee Talk. Um, I think they're gonna do that just because, just out of like how hard it was pushed in the beginning. So now it's kind of like everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I would like them to gravitate towards either Heavenly or one last time yeah. heavenly because it's uh it's been streaming really well lately um and uh i think that blends the sound of into the raging sea with the sound of the past two albums like the best yeah um and then obviously one last time because it's the new song right right yeah. for sure yeah when i uh when i started kind of pushing you guys when into the raging sea came out it was heavenly and foolish believer were the two that i like here's mm. a song you know here's a new band guys check these songs out yeah uh, and then yeah, i would yeah. be like okay now you can go listen to coffee talk or you know i love mm-hmm. you i love you it's disgusting like we'll, we'll figure out what else you can listen to afterwards but exactly um, yeah 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 no and i think you know like we said towards the beginning one last time is really this this maturity that you guys have have been kind of since you started dropping music really been pursuing that you're staying true to yourselves. So kind of my closing question is um, how authentic or how important is the authenticity of the band for you guys versus writing just the next big hit? Um, It's very important because we never wanted to be a band that would go up on stage and fake it like playing songs about stuff that we don't really you know like very shallow surface level topics like ollie has always been like a super like deep and moody kind of guy when it comes to like uh his poetry whenever he's not writing lyrics and that kind of bleeds into you know his lyric writing too and then all also like being into bands like the cure and like thursday when he was younger like that really emo bands like like Thursday uh, shaped him into like the way he writes. So we've always wanted to be like authentic because if you're not authentic, then it's kind of like, um, you're not authentic. It's you're not being, you're not like giving people like all of you, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said like, to me, the bands that are authentic build that, that real connection versus one hit wonders, you know, like, cool. I like that song, but I don't give a shit about anything else that they do. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you build that authenticity, people go, okay, maybe I didn't like that last single, but I still give a shit about what this band is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly how we feel too. Like if we, that just creates another, uh, persona that we have to try and upkeep like if we write a song where we're like talking about how great we are you know uh we're gonna have to act like that when that's not any of us so we it's easier to be authentic than to try and put on a a facade yeah for sure i appreciate it pat um so to to do the final closeout question it's always the same question uh that's the simple 
where can they find you? I'm obviously going to link all the social media, but what's the best way to interact with you guys online? All right. Uh, Twitter is broads at broadside underscore. Uh, Instagram is at broadside official. Um, we're on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, maybe some other streaming services, but those are the only two that we use in the band. So I know that 100% we are on there. Yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, go enjoy yeah, the movie. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, go enjoy the movie. Um, obviously, make sure Ollie's not fucking talking or anything so that he can oh, yeah. perform these last few shows and, and kill yeah. it. Yeah, we got to go find some duct tape. <laughs> awesome, man. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to I won't catch you on this tour, but definitely the next one I'm going to find time to, to get out and catch you guys on shows. All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, take care. You too. Bye. And that was my conversation with Pat Diaz of the band Broadside. Um, Huge shout out to Pat for taking the time to have that conversation um, and, you know, filling in. Uh, Obviously, the band is is a group of brothers in a in a sense and uh this is one of those moments where you can easily rely on on one of your bandmates to help you know take over some responsibility and um pat you know stepped up and stepped in when when he was needed and i really appreciate that so um definitely want you guys to go check them out they just wrapped up their current tour with young culture first and forever and sherry amore uh, but they are, you know, obviously working on plans for more tours, uh, more singles, more songs, uh, new albums, you know, like they've they've got a lot of shit in the works. And um, I joked with with Pat there at the beginning about how, you know, it's funny because now I've got friends that are just hearing Broadside for the first time and talking about how cool this quote unquote new band is and they just don't have any idea. And I think that there's a lot of people that don't fully realize the potential of broadside yet. And I think they're about to really shake things up and, you know, make a a major, major impact in the, the music scene in general. So definitely uh, looking forward to working with them more and, you know, seeing what, what comes out. Um, as always, you know, we're going to have the socials linked in the description of this podcast, so make sure that you go over, like, share, subscribe, follow them, uh, interact with them, things like that. Uh, also, for the You Make the Scene side, uh, definitely give us a like on Facebook, a follow on Instagram, um, comment on the, the post about this episode, all that sort of stuff. Uh, also, I am still working on some TikTok stuff. I promise there will be more for that. Uh, but we also just launched our YouTube page, so, uh, our YouTube channel. So go, you know, subscribe to that. We're working on, uh, editing as many of the podcast videos as we can, um, so that you guys can kind of watch the, the conversations happen too, um. Some people prefer that rather than just hearing, you know, two people talking uh, with no visuals. So uh, definitely jump over to YouTube and and check us out there. Uh, Obviously, we'll have the link on our uh, link tree and Facebook and all of that. So you can easily find us on YouTube. Um, There will be a video version of this podcast going live on youtube as well so uh, like i said go make sure that you subscribe uh, turn on the notifications you'll get notified every single time that i upload a video um, whether it's a brand new conversation uh, or just a video of an old conversation Uh, i'm gonna like i said try to do as many of them as i can so that's everything for this episode guys i really appreciate everything that you do for me Um, be sure that you head over to the shop at you make the scene. So, uh, you make the scene.com slash shop 
and check out the merch. We've got some new items up. Definitely uh, would love your support on that as well. Help kind of fuel the podcast and and the costs that go into that. So uh, as always, guys, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.